So welcome along to the recap at the end of week 46. You may not feel it has been two weeks, uh, and it hasn't because the last recap was slightly late. Um, but this one I wanted to do to fill in these two weeks, week 45 and week 46. We have finished off the Gospels. If you have got this far, um, we finished off all of the Gospels. We have started into the book of Acts on day 318. And so the last four or five days of week 46 are into the book of Acts. But I wanted just to uh, bring us, maybe kind of complete the story a little bit to try and get us uh, a little bit of insight into the central themes uh, and then a little background of the book of Acts and talk a little bit about it. But just to round back into the, the resurrection, which is the, the high point of the Gospels, everything in those Gospels points towards that. It's the stories of Jesus uh, and we were talking about how it's not the four stories congealed into, into one or overlaid upon one upon another to try and get this perfect image of Jesus or to get this lowest common denominator of what he did. But it was four different stories to find out four different perspectives on his life for four different reasons. But of course, they all come to this high point in it, which is the resurrection, Jesus' crucifixion, his empty tomb, uh, the well, for the empty tomb, the, the crucifixion, the distress, the betrayal, the the pain, the suffering, not only on Jesus' behalf, but also on his followers, where suddenly these, these years they had given up and followed him, the things he had said have all come crashing down around. And it's easy for us, as we look back, we know the end of the story, or if you're reading it for the first time, you'll have got to that end of that story. And so it's not all darkness and gloom because... Uh, there's the empty tomb, this resurrection has occurred. Tom Wright announces it and says, the good news, and this is about the resurrection, the good news is that the one true God has now taken charge of the world in and through Jesus and his death and resurrection. The ancient hopes have been indeed fulfilled, but in a way nobody imagined. God's plan to put the world right has finally been launched. The good news was and is that all this has happened in and through Jesus, that one day it will happen completely and utterly to all creation and that we as humans, every single one of us, whoever we are, can be caught up in that transformation here and now. This is the Christian gospel, the good news. And so it's this central theme. We've been looking at the whole story of the Bible and this um, story, unfolding story of God's activity in the world with this people, the Israelites. Um, we we saw the place that we had left them in this place of distress at the end of the Old Testament where they they had these promises that were fulfilled to them. They had they had the ways in which God had moved in the past, but the ways in which in that present time for them or that time for them, God wasn't moving. And then we skip into the New Testament and we see these people who again are still waiting. They have their temple, they have their rules and regulations, they have their ways of doing things, but their necks are suddenly under the boot of the Roman Empire and once again they're enslaved to this Roman Empire uh, and a bit like the original Exodus they're waiting for God to act in a certain way to free them from that slavery and to free them from the oppression that they're under but God doesn't do it in the way they had hoped the way they had planned the way they had wanted and so Jesus comes into the story and things go very differently than what they expect but that's the central part of God's redeeming action this resurrection there's a whole new world that's put into motion 
in the book that I wrote, which is called Remember How It Goes, Understanding the Bible in Union, which is behind the whole ethos of this Bible in a year, we say that the tomb was empty, he's gone, he's risen, he's come back to life, resurrected. This word and the words that they ran home to tell everyone changed the world, not just their world, but the world. What we find in the rest of the New Testament, Testament is exactly that. We have the words they ran home to tell everyone because they haven't stopped running ever since that day, ever since it all changed. People have been running to tell others the amazing news about it all, or as it's called in some places, the good news about Jesus. The New Testament, all of it reflects that. And so there's this central part which changes everything. I mean, if this is to be true, it changes absolutely everything. If it was a, a fallacy, if it was just a made-up story, it would have been proven wrong by that by that time. And that's something that even is mentioned in the New Testament. Um, what we find, though, is that we think because our world is, is very different that this won't speak into it, that this resurrection is just something, as it's a historical event, it's not something that reflects on us for our time, but in uh, David Gooding, who is a, a man from Belfast, and talking about the Acts of the Apostles, he says that the world in which Christianity was born, based around this resurrection story, was thickly populated by religions and philosophies of every kind, there was the classical original of other Olympian gods in the Greek and Roman versions with their temples and official ceremonies. There were myths about transmigration of souls, purgatory and reincarnation that came from Hinduism in the Greek religion and philosophy. There were religions of the camp philosophical type. There were other fanaticism and these were all in this melting pot that Christianity was born into. And so... We can say it's all right for Christians to believe these things within their own circles, but nowadays in the West we live in an entirely different world. We live in an entirely different way, and that's where Acts comes to our aid for in deciding what the true Christian attitude ought to be. We hardly ignore the practice of the apostles of the church. This Jesus isn't still here. Jesus ascended, and that was one of the stories towards the end of the Gospels. That was predicted. If we look back into John chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples this and tells them that he has to go away, that this is going to happen, and that he is going to leave another with him, uh, with them. And so these stories, a lot of them only start to make sense to his disciples following the resurrection, following the central part of it all, and around which all of Jesus' life pointed to. It's only then that they really start to make uh, sense to his disciples. And so what we see after the Gospels finish, it could just be empty space. That could just be the, the high point. Everything in the Bible had been pointing towards that time. And so we, we could just leave it there. We could um, leave it and say, well, that's what happens. But what we see in the book of Acts is what happened after that. Jesus, at the end of Matthew, he gives them this great commission to go and tell and make disciples. He tells them to go and teach and share and tell everybody. And, and even in a way, he doesn't need to tell them that because they are so overwhelmed by it all. They're so excited by it all. They suddenly have realized that the world has changed. It's not just a little add-on or event that something we say, well, that's that's just nice for our lives or that's some a ticket to some other place at some other time when we die. It changes everything here and now, and they saw that. And so what we have in Acts is that coming to life. It's a book about 
It's summarized in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and that's what we see. It is thought that Luke was the writer of Acts, following on from his own um, gospel. It says in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. It's also thought that Luke was the writer because of the way um, certain passages make use of the pronoun we. At this point, the author includes himself as a companion of Paul and his travels and relating to some of those verses. You can look those up. Uh, 16, chapter chapter 16, verse 10 to 17, chapter 20, verse 5 to 21, um, chapter 27, verse 1 to 28, and so on. Um, it's the fact that he uses we in some of these places and they elsewhere. elsewhere. Um, Paul talks about, it. they overlap with Paul's, some of his letters. It talks about the we passages when Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And we know that during that time, Paul wrote to other churches, to Philemon and Colossians, where he talks about Luke. Uh, as being his companion and sends greeting from Luke. And so there, there's those types of things, those overlaps, which tell us that, um, or help us think that Luke wrote it. The recipient of the book, there's some interesting things about him. This most excellent Theophilus, Theophilus um, it means your excellency. It's thought that Theophilus could not be a real name at all. In those days, it might be dangerous to be a Christian um, and so Theophilus is two Greek words, Theos, which means God, and Philian, which means to love. Uh, and so possibly Luke writes this book to a God lover whose real name he doesn't use because of the danger it might have caused. It could be a real person. He might have been a high government official. And then there's also the kind of more romantic notion that God, that Luke was a doctor and doctors in the ancient world were often slaves and perhaps he was freed by Theophilus. And so because of Theophilus freeing Luke from his slavery, he writes in return to tell him to, to give almost a gift that he is grateful for in return to Theophilus. One of the reasons he writes it was possibly if he's writing to this most excellent Theophilus, who was a, a high government official, it's thought it could be to show this government official that actually Christianity wasn't all that bad. He he has these tales of these Christian um these Christian apostles, he tells them how Roman officials treat them with great respect and how courteous they are um, often to them, showing that really these these Christians aren't that bad. They were good and loyal citizens and that they had been regarded as such. Um, it's thought that this could be actually to help Paul in his imprisonment. He's writing to a government official to show him that really Paul's been imprisoned wrongly and that he wasn't someone who was bad or causing harm or causing uproar in, in towns and cities, but that he wasn't an evil man, but that he was perfectly fair. And, and other Roman um, governing officials had been very good towards him and had looked to listen to him and speak to him. It could have been that he was trying to show that Christianity was a universal religion for all men of every country. Uh, and certainly we see that in Peter preaching to the Samaritans, Stephen making Christianity a universal um, thing and being killed for it. Peter accepting Cornelius into the church, which we'll see later. And all these things, he says, are, are look, trying to show the Christianity being a religion which knew no bounds, as we're told. Uh, and also he sets out, as he was told, in the, the high point of all the Gospels were this risen Christ who appears to them, his resurrection, which changes the world. 
and looks great and almost to show how this translates, how this how these witnesses of this shall spread his name, this event, this this world altering event around Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Luke goes on to write about that. So that's a little bit about Luke. It tells us a little bit about maybe why he wrote it, who he wrote it to. Um, and as we go along, we see how that affects everyone who it comes into contact with. And for us today, it still gives us encouragement. It still gives us inspiration. It still shows us how to go about it. As we see certain passages where where men have to give a response for their beliefs uh, and this life-changing event. And so we get a great sense of how that spread, the first witness of Jesus, these first men telling about all that he did and, and the miracles that happened and this central theme of resurrection, how it all came to be. And so hopefully over these next couple of weeks and as we go through Acts, you'll maybe feel inspired, you'll maybe feel encouraged, you'll maybe get simply wisdom of, of how to share this faith and get some some ways of doing that from the apostles uh, and we'll see how the Holy Spirit begins to work in them uh, and also in us and so enjoy these next couple of weeks until our next recap <laughs>